Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special Father's Day episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse. And we're the Dead Fathers. We're coming at you with some Godfather kind of energy. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, had I'm to be impressed. done at least one time. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if you did that last year when we did the first Godfather, but if you did, this one was way better. I'm just going to put it there right now. <laughs> I'll listen back. I don't think I did. So, Have you been practicing? I have been doing a lot of impersonations today. See, my, my <laughs> niece has been staying with us, and she hasn't seen The Godfather, which means I need to let her know what The Godfather is. And in order to do that, you need to talk like him. Mm. Yeah, you got to go low, lower. I think there's something with like the jaw. You got to stick out your jaw. Stick out your jaw. Really far. And you have to stick your tongue like... You got to stick your tongue to the bottom of your lip, like, yeah, and this and that. Yeah. And you, talk, you talk like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to analyze and figure out how I'm doing this, but I don't think I put my tongue down there. <laughs> you see that? It's actually getting worse the longer you're going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's cut this off. <laughs> it's, it's because I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, there's this great video. You know what? I'm not going to go into that. Never mind. <laughs> There's a great video. We'll find it someday. But so we're, we're not your father's movies. And if you're just joining us for the first time, because this is a huge movie, um, we're doing this for Father's Day because we couldn't really imagine a year ago we were trying to pick our first Father's Day episode movie. And we couldn't think of like a more dad movie than The Godfather. And of course, that just teed us up really nice for year two to be like, well, the Godfather of Ah! As you saw, we also did this sort of thing for uh, uh, our Mother's Day episodes. Um, but so now that we are talking about this legendary movie, Father's Day, Godfather Part Two, that's why we're doing this movie. We're, we're circling back around. And this is also, we also get to visit uh, one of the most hotly contested uh, debates. So we've already done Goodfellas, already done Godfather. We've already had the fight about which is better, Goodfellas or Godfather. Now we can have the fight. What's better, Godfather or Godfather Part Two, or Goodfellas, or Good? <laughs> Just throw it in there. <laughs> throw it in there. Or Casino? Ooh. No, no, we know, we know. All right, no, 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 let's go with the answer right now, Vita. What's your answer to that question? Um, without, if it's between Godfather and Godfather Part Two, and not Goodfellas, because Goodfellas skews the whole thing. Um, it, I think it's Godfather. I enjoy watching The Godfather more than I enjoy watching Godfather Part Two. Not because of anything wrong with Godfather Part Two, but like Mike and I were talking off mic, uh, is that Godfather is a really rewatchable, like kind of a good time. And Godfather Part Two is really sad. <laughs> uh, it really bums me out by the end of it. Like if, if the first movie is Michael's loss of innocence, the second movie is like the loss of his soul. Um, mm. That That's how I feel. Uh, what, what do you feel, Michael? Yeah, um, I, well, okay. So I guess my, I wonder if like, I feel like there's two like ways of it being the best, right? There's like best to me personally, and then like best in general, like best in reality or something. And I don't know if there is really like a best in in like reality, but I'm going to say there is. And I'm going to say it's Godfather Part Two. I'm pretty sure that that's like the best, the better movie. I, I just watched it, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I rewatched it again, um, sort of like half and half today. And it's a good movie, man. It is just. It's it's a phenomenal, like it's a phenomenal film. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I, what about I think to you right. personally? I think Godfather One is. I mean, like I've I've seen it, you know, 
a hundred times. Or you, you see it like five. every time you try to watch part two. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because I'm a completionist. So whenever I uh, I start, whenever I want to go back and see the Godfly, I got to start from the beginning again. Um, except for this, for some reason, I didn't have to do that. Uh, but no, I've seen The Godfather a bunch of times, and I've got like a lot more core memories with it. Although, you know, with this, there's some like some some deep memories as well, like uh, Vito on the staircase with the with the gun, you know, catching on fire, mm-hmm. uh, or the towel catching on fire and stuff like that's it's pretty deep rooted in there. So I mm-hmm. I think Godfather One is like my personal favorite, but I'm gonna say like. The best movie of all three of these is Godfather 2. I'm throwing Goodfellas in there, too. <laughs> not, it's not fair. It's scandalous. It's scandalous. You can't do it because then Goodfellas wins. Uh, but <laughs> Jesse or Dan? Yeah, I I think uh, you can't help but miss Marlon Brando in the second one. Like, he's he's such a iconic character in, the, in Godfather 1. Um, it's... Yeah, you just can't help but miss his presence, his his voice, everything about him, um, as much as all the other characters. I mean, Robert De Niro is incredible in this, and um, everything else in the second one is fantastic. Um, I I think I need to see both of them, like maybe twenty more times before I really have a good opinion. Um, but I I definitely I enjoyed the heck out of the second one. I, it's. I almost feel like it's like the Kill Bill problem where whichever one I saw most mm. recently, that's my favorite one. And uh, that's interesting that's you I, bring up Kill Bill. That's really because I would I would say that in Kill Bill, it's volume two. And I would say that like pretty definitively. Oh, OK. Yeah. When are we going to do I, Kill Bill? I want to fight about that. <laughs> oh, dude. I think we need to devote like two episodes for one for each, you know, for each movie four oh, yeah. episode series for Kill Bill. <laughs> Kill Bill Volume 1, Part 1. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, I, I'm going to go all the way with Godfather Part 2, though. Yeah! Love it. Love yeah. it. Is it even like your personal favorite as well? Oh, yes. Yeah. Even of, the, of all three, I would always rather watch Part 2. I mean, The Godfather is a very close second, but that's because, like, you know, you're right about the Marlon Brando thing. You are missing him a bit. And he is like the definitive Godfather character. So it's it's almost strange not having him here. And maybe also I I think this is the first time I was able to watch it with some distance from the second one. Or sorry, from the first one. I first watched, uh, sorry, I last, damn, I'm mixing up all the words. I last <laughs> watched a Godfather last year. And so there's a year difference between watching these two and watching the second one disassociated from the first and appreciating it as its own story is able to do that this time a little more. And yeah, I, I think I definitely like this one more. And kind of speaking to to the point of missing Brando, I think it's, it's obviously pretty intentional. I mean, the, the title card of this movie is the, is the empty chair, you know, <laughs> right. uh, the family is haunted by, by the loss of their, their patriarch. But I was also thinking like, I miss James Caan a lot. Yeah. Like Sonny was, is, is one of my favorite characters. Uh, and he, the way he went out is just, just what a shame. Um, what like all time cinematic shame that he had to die that way. Uh, I guess, I guess something that the Godfather has in common with Goodfellas is that there's a lot more familial screaming, right? There's a lot of like family members <laughs> really yelling at each other a ton. Which, so that's what you really relate to. I, I love the screaming. The <laughs> screaming is great. And there's, there's screaming in Godfather part two, but like it has more weight to it and feels sadder. 
Like every time someone screams at someone here, like someone usually ends up dead. <laughs> pretty pretty soon. Pretty quickly. Oh, when, yeah. he, when he grabs Fredo and he's like, you broke my heart, Fredo. You broke my heart, Fredo. Yeah, man. I got to say like, oh gosh, this movie is like Godfather one is, is easier to turn on. You can be like, all right, like I'm going to turn mm-hmm. this on. I'm going to watch it. Like it's easy. And there's that, like the whole hospital part, which is like, it's tense, but I can like get up and get popcorn and go to the bathroom during that. And it's fine. I've seen it enough times kind of boring with this one i don't feel like there is a single part that i'm like uh i don't know time to go to the bathroom i definitely went pee uh in some of the early de niro scenes <laughs> when That's he's like funny. just like when the baby's just crying in the background and he's sitting very still i was like ah, all right, it's so pee. pretty it's like beautiful <laughs> to look at you like, wow yeah but art you, you know what just happened but right before i watched robert de niro deal with his screaming kid <laughs> i dealt with my screaming kid <laughs> And his name was Vito, too. <laughs> he was doing remarkably the same things that I do. <laughs> oh, Vito's around the world just taking care of screaming kids. We just we we sitting there, smirking, watching a kid cry. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I like I like knowing that's where we're all standing. Thank you, Jesse, for, for wanting to do that earlier rather than later. Um, all right. So quick casting crew. Same cast and crew from last time. Same people. Um with the addition of Lee Strasberg as Hyman Roth mm-hmm. and um, uh, also Harry Dean Stanton, a very young Harry Dean Stanton who still looks incredibly old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, I don't think he speaks, but he is one of the FBI people. Yeah. He's just like there in the background. He just has, a, he has such a recognizable face. Yeah. Like he just looks leathery and hangdog. <laughs> now see, I did not recognize him. Who is Harry Dean Stanton? You he should, is... you should look him up. He, you'll recognize many movies he's been in. I'm also oh, yeah. asking for the audience that with the audience would. Well, I was hoping that Dan would was looking him up so that he can start reading off some titles because I don't have control of the mouse. Mike's driving. Oh, oh yeah, he's the Jaws. Is is he in Jaws? Uh, That's Roy no. Schneider. No, I mean he's no, an alien. Alien. Yeah, Green Mile. Uh, I mean, like he's in Twin Peaks. Like he's he's just got. He's the guy with that face, you know? He has, upon his passing, he had 205 credits. He's kind of known as the character actor. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys keep on saying it's his face, but frankly, looking at his big, bushy eyebrows, that's what got, gets it. Where, where are his eyebrows located, Jesse? Would you, would you care to tell the audience? I believe they would be located on his face! (laughs) (laughs) But it's not the entire face, it's it's just the eyebrows. I'm sorry I had to do that in front of everyone, Jesse. I just, just, I couldn't let that go past. Uh, okay. I wasn't talking also, also, his face slash eyebrows. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, his chin and his nose and his eyes. <laughs> you might as well just say his whole body. His, his body face. is recognizable. I mean, so, but you know, face, yeah. he, where is his face located, Fido? On his, on his head. On his head, Jesse. <laughs> on his body. Where is his, his head? head located his, on his neck. Right. Also, uh, Robert De Niro's in here for the Where on earth time. do you think a body is? He was is. not in the former movie. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just get past this with you guys um <laughs> robert de niro's here oh yeah first time yeah mr de niro first time here Play, playing Vito, yeah, Vito, Corleone. playing Vito corleone the young the young Vito. yeah i wish i looked like robert de niro i don't it's weird they picked him to play me yeah i don't know uh, you know what yeah have we never had de niro no wait yes we've had de niro on he was on goodfellas no and no, new, new, casino. new to this because i said yeah. it's the same yeah. cast and crew from the other one yeah sorry new right. new to the godfather cast is is what mm-hmm. i'm trying to trying to say um yeah it's a big cast though and full of coppolas and coppola adjacents mm-hmm. um all right uh first impressions i guess uh i 
my first my nostalgia for this movie is only college deep. This is the first time I saw it was um, freshman year in college, and I watched it alone on my laptop. I be- like the way that God intended the Godfather Part Two to be viewed <laughs> on a laptop under like underneath the covers of a bed by by a hungover college student. Um, <laughs> it was amazing though, and I I loved it very much. But I also knew that it was. I didn't really know how to deal with it because I casually decided to watch a cinematic classic, which is like never really goes very well. It was like a, a random Tuesday morning in college. Just Pretty like, much. You know what? I've never seen uh, I've never seen The Godfather 2. Time to watch that instead of going to class. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the first time. Second time I saw it, I, I tried watching it with, you know, years later with my wife. Uh, we got three hours in, had a little scheduling conflict, had a had a brief fight which made us not want to watch the final half an hour. <laughs> and then it sat for years until this time where we both finally made it through. And my wife was finally able to see the ending. <laughs> um, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Cause it's like right around the three hour mark. I don't know. It's just, you start getting itchy. Um, but no, it, it, it was a, it was a wonderful movie. And uh, I, the third time I, I kind of feel like you, Dan, I need to see it a lot more times. Um, yeah, that, that's my nostalgia. I figured I'd just go first. I think I have the least amount, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, Jesse. Um, my nostalgia is, I think it's pretty similar to the Godfather nostalgia, where I didn't see the whole thing when I was like really young. And by young, I mean like eight or nine. But I saw bits and pieces of this movie that have stayed in my subconscious, probably more than the first one, like throughout my whole life. Um, like scenes like the, the towel uh, bursting into flames or like Frito saying the Hail Mary and getting shot in the back of the head. I, I saw those scenes back then and those like it, it, it's such a striking thing that somebody can like I don't know you're, he's sitting there just fishing and he gets his head blown off and it's like super peaceful Um, and yeah and yeah Vito like in the in the streets of New York and um, trying to raise kids and also like going and killing somebody. Uh, yeah. Those have like stuck with me throughout the years, just like really vivid images uh, that I've never been able to like shake. And uh, yeah, I think I watched the whole thing in college, similar to Vito. And then I've seen it like a few, a handful more times. Uh, my wife still has not never seen the whole thing. I think she left during intermission, which is two hours into this movie. Yeah. And she was never able to finish it, but I keep wanting to show her it. Um, yeah. Uh, I've, so this is supplanted in me when I was younger, with bits and pieces. And finally, I appreciate the whole thing later in life. Dan, how about you? Um, yeah, I let's see. So my wife and I, neither of us grew up with the Godfather. And so, it was our first year of marriage and my wife was, was a full-time nanny for um, a family and they were huge Godfather fans. And when they found out that my wife had not seen the Godfather and then they found out I had not seen the Godfather, they were, they immediately lent us and then ended up giving us the Godfather trilogy. Um, So we watched it together as kind of like a, you know, um, newlywed, like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna you know ingest this piece of culture into our early married lives, and we we loved them. We watched. We still haven't watched the third one. Confession time. Same. But, 
Same. Oh, still... <laughs> oh okay. Oh, I'm in I've good company. It. Am I the only one who's Mike's seen the it? only one that's seen it? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, everyone, wait. That's a first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> that Mike's the only one that has not seen. That, that has, has seen. seen. Oh, that has seen. That yeah. has seen. You know, I oh, watched yeah. those weird Danish movies. No one you cares about that, that shit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we anyway. So we watched the first and the second like pretty much in the same week, I think. Um, and we loved both of them. Mm-hmm. We were blown away by them, and um, and then just recently rewatched the second one for this podcast, and it was it was incredible how much even though it was only the second time I was watching it, it felt like there was something very homely about it as if like I was entering into a world that just felt right or felt like, yeah, I want to, I want to just be in this world, even if it's three and a half hours long, like I want to just sit here and, and exist with this movie on. And um, it was a really cool, both of us just loved sitting there. And even though it was really long and we, we ended up breaking it into two sessions. Um, we both just loved it. And yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think my wife and I will always connect on because we watched it our first year of marriage. And yeah, we both are big fans of The Godfather now. So what about you, Mike? That's cool. Um, I guess I've got the most, uh, I don't know, the, the longest. So I, I guess I watched this in my early teenage years the first time. I remember, um, so this was like a vacation movie. Um, and yeah, you've shared this before. This is, this is one of the strangest traditions of your family. Yeah, no. So we would get a beach house, uh, you know, regularly, like, like once a year. Um, it was, uh, and it was like, it was like a week and it was really awesome. We would watch like very long, very like sort of, uh, you know, important movies, we watched, I don't know, like Seven Samurai during this period. And Oof. So yeah, uh, we we would we would watch these big important movies that had intermissions generally um, in the middle of them. And at some point, when I don't know, I was like thirteen or fourteen, I can't remember what I said last year. We watched The Godfather for the first time. That was amazing. But then we didn't end up watching The Godfather Part Two, and we had watched it with like our close friends that we ended up watching a lot of these movies with, um, and their father and and stuff uh and they ended up watching part two without us and i remember oh. it, it, it wasn't it wasn't out of hatred betrayal. although it, it was that's what, you know that's a very godfatherian thing i, I know i know <laughs> it felt Are like still alive <laughs> wait they were <laughs> on vacation with know. you and then they popped in the godfather 2 dvd without you no 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 it was like they went home and and they watched like the next day oh, um well, yeah that's okay yeah, because like their dad was just like, we have to watch this. It's too bad that you know Mike isn't here because he, he you know, he should watch it. But sucks, sucks to be Mike. I don't know. Turn it like, on. He's at a beach house. <laughs> sucks for him. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so they watch it, and I remember them like talking about the scenes in this like all the time. And then finally, the next summer rolls around, and we go to the beach house again. It's like, all right, it's Godfather Part Two time. So we watch it, but. We got a weird version of it. I don't really know where it came from. <laughs> what? There was a version of it floating around for a while that broke up the first half or like the the old timey stuff and the new timey oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Separate. They, they pe- called it pieces. the uh, what is that? Like like the legacy edition or something. Yeah, I guess. What? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is another cut. It only played on TV. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was never theatrically released. 
well, maybe we got like a recorded VHS of it, or I, um, it's, it's, where, it's, it's where they edit it. They play it linearly, yeah, chronologically. Yeah, so that's it's terrible. All the Vito stuff, yeah. and then all the Michael stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and so like I remember watching it, and I'd go, I went and told my friends, like, hey, you know, I saw part two. Like it was really interesting, but I felt like I, I really wish it had been like intercut. You know, like, <laughs> like, like part, like how that ran the whole time, but then the Michael part was just a bummer. Like it was just a super bummer. It's super long too. Like the Vito really stuff long. is like one hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're like, "That's really weird. Like this is not <laughs> the movie." It actually took me several years uh, after that to. So we watched part two and then part three uh, that same summer, and then it took me several years to come back to part two and watch it the real way. I think I was in college as well. Uh, and so that was when I saw the grand scheme, the masterpiece since then, I think this is the first time I've watched it. Um, and, uh, so it's been, you know, just a few times in 15 years. Uh, and I love it. I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, similarly to you, Jesse, like there are scenes in this that are burned into my memory that like will never go away. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine like being myself without having those memories in a way. Like that's kind of a wild thing to feel about a a, a movie, I think, is like I I don't know if I would be me if like I hadn't spent like random times like do like playing the godfather or whatever as a as a kid, sort of like mm-hmm. I don't know. Not like playing Godfather as a kid, but like you know, like doing like, oh, you know, boom and and the towel thing. I don't know. Okay, That's so so there's there's a couple different versions just to just to follow up Mike's point because I yeah. remember this. So this is a uh, this is from Polygon. So there is one version that cuts together both Godfather and Godfather Part Two in chronological order. It's called the Godfather Epic. Whoa. It's uh, 424 minutes. So you can see that. I did not see that. No, you didn't because there was a censored version of the Godfather Epic, and that was a reduced 386 minute cut, and that was released on VHS. And then there's another one for Godfather Part Two. Okay. So there's like multiple chronological edits that you can see if you want to. I don't know why you'd sit through a chronological edit of the first and the second Godfather. That that sounds really bizarre. Well, one reason is because uh, the story of Vito in the second movie is contained in the book, whereas the Michael stuff is not. Right. Right. So maybe for the people who were really into the book, Purists. I can see why. Yeah, I can see why it'd be made for them. I just, I'm, I'm just thinking about trying to sit down to watch a movie of that scale. It would and not also, be good. It would look really weird. It would constantly be changing looks, like going from the brightly lit of De Niro to like the murky of Godfather to even the murkier Godfather Two, and then you'd have a hard jump from De Niro as Vito to Marlon Brando as Vito. That is a very hard jump. Oh, yeah. uh, like maybe this is a sidebar. I guess. Wait, hold on. Maybe maybe a little <laughs> sidebar. Yeah. Uh, do you guys like De Niro as Vito? I oh think, yeah, I think he's yeah. very yeah, I, good, but I don't yeah. think he's excellent. Wow. What? Yeah, I, do, I don't think it's excellent. I I think yeah I I'm with Vito on this I I don't think he's like I think he's fine but I keep on trying to imagine like uh, how could this person become yeah become the Vito and the Godfather one it's like oh man he'd have to have to shrink a little bit get pretty fat 
He's really skinny right now. Like, I think I think he had to he had to do the voice. I don't think he had a choice but to do the voice because Marlon Brando went so like almost a cartoon with that voice mm-hmm. because it's so over the top and he's like sticking the gauze in his mouth and everything to make that happen. And I think he's doing great by just kind of being a little whispery. It's just yeah. that 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 kind of stilted delivery. That's clearly De Niro acting because I've seen De Niro do so much other stuff. That's not how De Niro likes to talk. And it just really looks like De Niro is acting, you know? And yeah. it's not, I'm not saying he's bad. He's not bad. He's very good, but it's not a transcendent kind of thing like Pacino or De, or uh, Brando are doing. You better shut your mouth. The flies uh, I mean, your head, he's walking among giants, right? Like he's walking <laughs> yeah. among some of the greatest performances in cinema. So it's like, I, I, I thought it was excellent. And yeah, like, Maybe it's not as good as Al Pacino or Marlon Brando, but what is as good as Al Pacino or Marlon I guess Brando? Could have like, been him. Yeah. I, I, I guess <laughs> I guess what I think about him is like he could have been like I, I think I should and I the way I watch The Godfather Part Two is I try to see him as kind of his own character. Um like obviously through story connected to to uh Marlon Brando. Uh, and his character in Godfather Part One, but like it's it's kind of jolting for me to actually realize that they are the exact same person. That yeah. he's going to say and do the exact same things that Marlon Brando does in Godfather Part One. Yeah. It always like it, it, I have to shake myself out of it for a little bit and put myself into like a weird mindset and like, all right, here's a guy and he's Michael's dad and this is kind of like its own movie, its own thing. And if I had to watch an interspersed cut of all that put together, I think it would it would take me out of the movie far too much. So I'm thinking of the timeline here, right? Like, so we see Michael, we see Michael as a baby at the end of Vito's story. Right. Which means that another, like only 30 years at maximum are passing like between the early parts and then the Godfather part one. It's just, it's not, it's not long enough. But it's 30 years of being a a mafia boss. Yeah. Living living in luxury, living in luxury. Still stress. Your your mouth is going open. Your your eyes are wide in your mouth. I thought he was incredible. Like I love (laughs) Robert De Niro in this role. I could definitely see him becoming uh, the Godfather. I thought that like it was actually excellent the way that he was not like a brutal killer. You know, like he 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 was joyful. Like he was kind of like there was a a twinkle in his eye. And that 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 syncs up with the first movie because Vito's not a brutal killer either. Like Vito Vito calls a stop to the bloodshed. Yeah. Except except for the time where he carves out the guy's entire stomach. That's true. Besides that, he's not a brutal killer. You got you got to get your hands dirty. Sometimes. I mean, he he is a brutal killer, but like he's not in it to kill necessarily. Yeah. Like he's in it most of the time. I mean, like that was personal, but like he's there to like like I, I mean like the, oh my. I, I'm like <laughs> yeah, I, my my, my brain is like resetting like just. <laughs> Thinking about it, what we're saying is not that crazy. Of, we're saying he's very good, just not excellent. I thought he was excellent. Okay, I thought he was excellent. <laughs> I, I love Robert you, Mike. Nero. I Thank agree. you, Dan. I agree. It's not, it's not, right, like, I, I'm calling an end to the sidebar. <laughs> we can maybe keep talking about I'm, it. I'm in shock. <laughs> sidebar done. <laughs> All right, I'll take, take me back to our Google Doc. Mm. Where are we? Where is this? There uh, it is. Um, it. Oh right. Oh. Um, I, I would just do this if they're old enough to see the Godfather you're old enough to see this one that's that's how I think I think that's that's how we sh- it should be done I think I don't know if like 
I don't know if this is you, you take the kids to a beach house for a week and then you just do one day after the other godfather godfather two godfather three like that might that might be overload but i don't know all within a general time frame all within probably the same year yeah i agree mm-hmm. fully agree yeah. did we did we say 16 or 17 last year i don't remember around that like i don't want to show it to them when they're younger it just won't hold their attention yeah you'll yeah you'll right, make like Mike, a book are you planning on doing a beach house for this or what do you have like specific plans Does this have to be a beach house movie <laughs> why, why does dad have a vhs in his hands <laughs> <laughs> this is the version i stole from blockbuster the story that you've heard rumors of their attorneys are still laughing to this day <laughs> it's got commercials in it. um uh no i don't think it has to be a beach house i think that, that was just a weird thing that we did um I think that it could happen, you know, at, at our home. Uh, it could happen on a vacation. Um, I think either of those places would be. I want to do it like like this isn't one that I. Well, I don't know. I could see it being an event with like another family or something. Like that's that's how we did it, and that was cool. But I definitely like need to be intimately involved in the in the situation. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I feel about. Yeah, it. I would never let this happen without me. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I am there. I am probably the initiator. Yeah, my kids are like, "Oh, it's so long." I'm like, "Be quiet." The school is in yeah. session. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad tried to initiate this with me. I was like, "Ah, oh, man, it's, it's like three hours twenty minutes. I can't do that." Yeah, and there's it's there's, too there's slow not enough and boring. Sh- yeah, there's not enough shooting. You know, <laughs> see, you gotta just like the thing. The thing that you do is you don't tell people the time. Like you don't tell them how long it's going to be. You don't let them see how long it is. We had when TiVo, it and they would show us in half-hour blocks how long something is. Like, <laughs> it just keeps That's going. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long block. Although I got to tell you, Mike, that uh, my dad did that with me when we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly for the first time, and and we didn't stop it. There was no pee breaks. We just did it like from one end to the other. And I do remember at a certain point, I think it was during like the Civil War battle stuff. I was like, "Wow, like this is worth." It was really going on for a while. <laughs> this is a long movie. I, like, I don't know if it's ever going to end. Yeah. <laughs> Any movie around the three hour mark, you do start to kind of like drift in and out a little bit. <laughs> very true. Like, very has my true. life always been just watching this movie? Will it always continue to be this way? Like, what are the choices that led me to this place? <laughs> were, they, were they good ones? I don't know yet. <laughs> So, wait, we're on the topic of when and if we will show it to our kids. And we said that last year, but Dan, you were not here last year. So what, when or if will, will you show it to your kids? Yeah, I've, I've been trying to think about this one. It's, uh, I like all of your ideas. I, I actually really like the idea of making it an event with another family. I feel like that would grant it like more all weight. the more power mm-hmm. and there'd be kind of that good peer pressure of like, well, I don't want to be the one person in the room that's like not in it. And if there's like two dads and maybe some older people or even even wives in it that are like really invested, really excited to watch it, I think that would. Yeah, I, I could see me showing this to my kids even at like 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it's it's definitely a movie that like if you build it up enough and you really, you know, yeah, if, if you get them pumped up, pumped up, I think kids can uh, definitely appreciate what's going on. Even if like some of the plot lines or some of like, especially in the second one, a lot of the inner workings of like the politics and why this person's doing this or saying that it can be really confusing. I, I know that 
um, even watching it as an adult, my wife and I were like, wait, so did he know that? Or did he, <laughs> did he say that because he was trying to trick him or all the, like, all the Hyman Roth stuff? You're like, yeah. wait, is this a lie? And then he, he talks to another person. You're like, wait, is this a lie? Like, <laughs> who are you lying to, Michael? <laughs> it's like 40 chess going on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that like 15, 16, and I'm going to, I'm going to make it a big event. For, for my kids. I'm, I'm picturing like you sitting, I'm picturing like in like an L couch, right? And then the, the center of the L is facing the TV and the kids are stacked in, like meeting in the middle. And there's like one dad on the other end of the L and you're on one end of the L. And every time someone makes a noise, you're like, who's that? <laughs> the phone goes off. You're like, hey, well, you, I'm you also imagining a, yeah. a couple dads in the back of the sectional. They're just standing watching the movie. Obviously, they'll stand the whole time because it's yep. totally dead. <laughs> yeah. And they will be making random comments. And you yeah. won't. You'll be kind of like a little angry in your heart, but you won't <laughs> say anything. <laughs> and they'll just be like, yep, that's how you make meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have to say, this is not one that you pause to explain the plot. Even no, though the plot yeah. definitely needs explaining. Yeah. But this is like third time around you get what's going on yeah yeah like eventually yeah. they'll get there it doesn't and, you don't need to understand the plot to understand the movie and that's what if, i'd say if your kids ever ask what is going on you just keep saying you'll see yeah yeah keep watching <laughs> keep watching in 10 years you'll see yeah. <laughs> the, the number of times that the names clemenza and hyman roth are said are enough to just like confuse the hell out of you like it's repeated enough that sometimes i'm like I forget that it points to an individual entity. And it's like, yeah. what is it? What is a Hyman Roth? Like <laughs> the Rosado brothers? Do yeah. we even know who these Frank guys Pentagoli. are? And you're like, who's that? Who's that again? Who's that guy? And he shows up. Like I remember seeing when he shows up in the end at the at the hearing, he shows up. I was like, oh, that's right. That's Frank Pentagoli. Okay. Yeah. And like the last hour where I hadn't seen him, I felt better. Yeah. yeah. That guy. That's right. That guy that I was introduced to, but it was so so long ago you know i have to say i feel like this is the original like um i don't know what is it like origin story movie where people and things that were like sort of important in the first version are brought to higher level of importance by the second you know like the way like that in Pirates of the caribbean well i mean it's a prequel right like it's but but like it's a it's sequel both, right it's a it's a pre-sequel it's a sequel but it's also a prequel. It well, needs, yeah, but that's, it needs what but, happens but, but before. My, but I, what I guess. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, um, like in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, movie where like they explain where Jack Sparrow's like sword and hat come from, <laughs> and all of that bullshit. Oh, that, okay, yeah. Like Han Solo's and, name, and, and how all of like those Disney things are doing that now. Like, oh, like here's the compass that he used for this, and it's important because of that. Or like, here's the special item, or here's the you know that glippity gloop that you saw for those three yeah. seconds. Here's a nine episode TV show about yeah, it. Exactly. This is the this is the original the original of that. Um, so like for all the good that the Godfather has done for culture. I mean, I, I think it did a great job it's, with it it's, here, but it's also ruined culture. It's done so much good for culture <laughs> that they had to make a TV show about making the movie The Godfather. Right, right. Have you seen that? I have not. Has anyone checked out? The, oh, sorry. Sidebar. Has anyone checked out The Offer? I keep hearing, like, so many people in my office are telling me that The Offer's amazing, and they're telling this oh, to yeah? me because of the name, and they just assume that I have a built-in um, desire 
Uh, well, which, which I kind of do. You sort like, of do, yeah. I don't yeah. care about how it was made. <laughs> it, I'm kind of. It's not just a straight up documentary, though. It's like a. It's no, it's a, a fictionalized TV show, yeah, but it's based yeah. on fact, right? It's, yeah, yeah. Starring Miles Teller. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rooster. No, I've I've been recommended it by a couple people, and I'll definitely check it out at some point because it sounds amazing and. Um, but yeah, I, I've, heard, I've heard the same things. It's amazing that if you're into The Godfather, you have to watch it and all that. But Interesting. Yeah, so I've been maybe, watching other things. Not, yeah. not the offer, though. Maybe for Godfather Part 3, when we do that next year, mm-hmm. next Father's Day, yeah. we'll like spend five minutes talking about that part of a movie and then talk about the offer the whole time. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited to do because it finally gives me a reason to watch Godfather Part Three. Yeah. And then <laughs> I also <laughs> I also have the restored 4K re-edited version oh. that 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 Francis Ford Coppola did. It's like the uh, Coda colon the death of Michael Corleone yeah. dash the Godfather colon Part Three because I think it's like the Electric full title, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like a little bit longer and differently structured. I don't know. That'll, that'll be fun. We'll have to. Do that. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and a sidebar. All right. Um. All right, favorite scenes. Uh, Jesse or Dan or Mike, who has a favorite scene they want to go first? I, I don't have a strong contender here. I've got I, I, a bunch of favorite scenes. So ooh. many. I mean, there's a brother scene at the end when they're all like uh, having dinner. That one's always like really struck stuck with me. Um, yeah. You know, they're all like Michael's home and he's the college boy. And he, he lets them know that he's just joined the army. And then, you know, all like all the women go away and all the all his brothers they're like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, family comes first. And and he's like, Oh, you know, country first. And then they go greet their dad because it's Vito's birthday and he stays at the dinner table alone. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I'll go with that as my favorite scene. And, and that yeah, scene does make me miss Sonny, like you were saying. Oh my god. Like seeing yeah. him in the scene, you're like, man. I wish he was. I wish he was still around. Yeah. Well, it also made you wish that the the family could have been working together because the whole movie, like like Connie comes in a couple times, and she's not really a big part of the story. And you kind of wanted to know, like, what's going on with Connie, and then you realize, like, it's not very interesting, and she can't really be a part of Michael's story right now. And then Frito, like he, and this is, I think, this is right after Frito dies and yeah. gets executed. Um, like. And you're just kind of like sad that yeah, this whole family can't be together anymore. And there's this kind of sense of loss and longing <laughs> in this one scene, and it kind of ends with with Michael's eyes. The the movie ends on his eyes, right? And he's thinking about this event, thinking about them at the dinner table all together, celebrating many, their dad's birthday. How many have been lost, right? I mean, Fredo's dead, yeah. the mom's dead, Vito's dead, Sonny's dead. It's just a uh, Connie, Connie's broken. Connie, like, yeah. Connie's completely. And, and Tom. Mm-hmm. And Tom is. Tom leaves. Did he leave? No, he stayed. He stayed on. It, he got a job a, offer in Vegas. It, but, he got the job offer, but he turned it down. But you, there's an open question in in Michael's mind. I think earlier in the movie, he he says something about the Cuban uh, rebels, right? He's He, he thinks they're going to win. And the reason is, is because the soldiers they're going up against are paid and they're losing their lives and <clears throat> just for money. And that's not worth it. But the rebels aren't paid because he knows the value of loyalty is not found in money. And he's wondering whether or not Tom is actually loyal to him. So 
if he's not loyal to him, he's going to take the bigger paycheck. So I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's implied that Tom's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or at least like their relationship is on very shaky ground. For mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a family broken. It's really sad. Yeah. That scene yeah. is is both like such a because you're right. It's right after Fredo dies, and uh, it's like it it heals you for a moment. Like you feel there's so much joy in seeing them all together, and like you're back in the family home, um, and like it's you know Sonny's like being Sunny and and everything, and then it just leaves you even more like broken at the end of it. I, I I'm yeah. I'm like flabbergasted by the scene. Like I'm flabbergasted Mm -hmm. by the fact that like he put it here, like, like it's just a stroke of genius. Uh, my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, like, is there more significance to this scene showing Michael, you know, saying that he enlisted in the Marines and that he's going off to make kind of making his own future. Is there more significance to that action of Michael to explain everything we've seen in the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was kind of trying yeah. to like digest this scene a bit and I, I didn't fully understand like what the message was or how this was trying to kind of cap the whole movie. Um, I definitely think there's a lot there, but I just, I was curious if you guys had any, you know, insight into what that was representing. Yeah, it was a really interesting interaction, right? So, like, he, um, Sonny's immediately, so, so they talk about the war, and, like, Sonny's like, who would be, who would sign up? Like, that would be a a fool's errand. Like, who would do that? Um, like an idiot. And, uh, Michael says, you know, someone who, who believes in their country, someone who believes in America, essentially, right? Um, and he's like, no, like, you only die for blood. He says, I don't feel that way. And Sonny gets pissed and then like uh, uh, Robert Duvall is saying like, you know, we like your father has plans for you. Like mm-hmm. and and Michael's like kind of pissed off at him because like you're not even my brother, like by blood. Mm-hmm. Like wh- you're telling me that you have like my father has plans for me. Like I have different plans. I have different plans that are different from what mm-hmm. you or he or anybody. Anybody thinks like, is it supposed to be implied that that his plan is to become the next godfather? Uh, I, I feel like that could be a reading. I don't, I mean, I, I don't take it that way. Yeah. I don't think he plans on becoming the Godfather. And I think that's in the Godfather part one, he's definitely not trying to become Godfather, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah, no, um, it's, it, it's like, it's like a sacrifice it, he it, makes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's pointing more towards his motive. His motive, unlike Beto, is, is not all family. Um, his motive is about people controlling him, controlling what he can do and when he can do it, controlling his future. Um, he controls his future. And Mm. in some ways I think he might be trying to imitate his dad too. You know, his dad left Italy, comes over to America and establishes like his reputation here. And I think he was kind of doing something similar. He's going to leave his home, go to another country like establish himself as a force to be reckoned with or like as, as a person of, of greatness and come back. Um, and I, so I think he, he's, I think he's more about the, the selfish pride motive. And then his dad is more focused on where his dad is more focused on family and kind of 
trying to draw out like that sort of difference between the two. Like he's never been about family. That's never been his number one thing, even though he says so multiple times. Yeah, he's not about family so much that he kills his own brother. He just waits till his mother is dead. Yeah. That that's how much mm-hmm. about family he is. Yeah. I promised her nothing would happen to you till yeah. she died. She dies, he's like, All right, off with Fredo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember that scene where where he um where he's come back from like from Cuba and he goes home and he sees Connie and he doesn't talk to her and then he goes to his mother and he says something like, you know, did father ever break? Like, did my dad ever like fall apart? Like, and, and she's like, like, no, like he was just himself <laughs> sort of like he, he was strong and stuff. And, and there's like that idea of like, Oh, I'm doing this all for my family. There's a, an idea that Michael continuously expresses throughout the movie where it's like, he has made a sacrifice and he's playing a role of being the Godfather, but this isn't actually who he is. Like he has sacrificed who he is so that someone would run the family. Um, I feel like uh, I don't know. I feel like that ties to this scene somehow, but I I don't know if I'm I'm making the connection. Like my synapses aren't firing about it. Do you think? Do you think that's supposed to be compared or contrasted with Vito as a younger man in De Niro's character? That is he is it supposed to be that he also had to kind of change who he was to overcome this i forget the name of the guy that's like you know taking money from everybody in the, in the I, I town thought the, the beauty of the two interconnected stories was that one is a rise and one's a fall right yeah. so Vito actually i think in kind of embracing <clears throat> you know killing off the, the the former you know boss of the neighborhood and kind of becoming that I thought that was more of a, a growth for him. Like it felt really natural for Vito to fit himself into that. And yeah. he seemed very kind of happy with it. And everyone seems kind of happy with him too. Like yeah. it seems like the right move for the neighborhood. That last guy really seems like he sucked. Yeah. And, he's like uh, a Robin Hood type character. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> I'm going to make things of, better for the little people, yeah. you know? And yeah. then for Michael though, you know, he, he's so cold and cutthroat. Then in the end it's, he's left alone, you know, completely alone when, as we were just talking about Jesse's favorite scene, you know, the, the prior, we had just seen that beautiful contrast of how warm the family used to be. Um, now Michael gets to run things the way he wants to, which leaves him in total isolation as opposed to Vito, who is surrounded by his, his family. Right. Um, I always he, thought that was like yeah. the beauty of it is that they, they continually intersect and the end, they completely diverge. Yeah. I think that that's why I like that scene with the, um, with the, the, uh, the old lady who has the dog and mm-hmm. the apartment complex and stuff like that's why that's there. Right. Is to show like, he's got way bigger, pro- like everybody has way bigger problems than this. Like I have bigger problems than you, like anyone, she has bigger problems than this. Right. But he still takes it on and he says, you know what? Like I will, I will go out of my way. I will make a lot of effort to help this person. Um, because this guy's being kind of a jerk to her. Uh, and uh, like, I, it, it could come back to me in the future. It, it might come back in the future, right? Yeah. But it's not like it's a gratuitous sort of like putting stuff out there, sort of a karmic way of putting stuff out there. Like put put good out, comes back in, but more like capitalist, like capitalist karma. Um, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Literally yeah. like the foundation of the mafia, right? Yeah. Like it is kind of yeah. hometowny, yeah. but it's also pretty cynical <laughs> yeah but it also sh- yeah yeah super cynical it also shows like that was actually necessary or something like there there are yeah. 
about to say like this was extremely necessary and have been and actually, actually kind for, of still, yeah. still is i have a coworker yeah. from italy really um born born in italy and i asked him like you know because we're talking godfathers the offer is really is super big i cannot stress enough how big the offer is in my workplace like everyone is watching it huh. and everyone's talking about the godfather all the time it's really cool. strange but i asked i was like oh, what's the mafia actually like because he, he has a house in italy and he's working here and he said he said oh they're incredibly important he said, no one likes the policia. No one likes the policia. Everyone likes everyone likes the families. Huh. He said, if he said if it wasn't for the families, we wouldn't there wouldn't be internet in the schools. He said, if it wasn't for the families, he said, people don't understand how poor many people in Italy are. And the mafia helps them more than the government does. Um, he said it, it's quite widely accepted that you just don't don't disrespect them, you don't step out of line, and your life will be made better. Interesting. Yeah. Which is which is it's incredible. Like that it's still going on in the year of our Lord 2022. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to jump in there just because it's it's this is this is a real thing in other places that I as an ignorant American did not know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, I mean, like the goal there or, or the action there, or at least whatever is like we're, we're seeing of it is like these are people who are stepping outside the boundaries of the law primarily to help the less fortunate um, and to kind of take from the rich and give to the poor a little bit, like keep the rich in line or something like that. The yeah. People I who think, uh, complexes. But I think with, with Vito, it, it, it goes a little more. Um, well, I, I, I like to explore the, the idea that this is a family and not just a business. Cause I think Michael approaches it more as a business and Vito approaches it more as a family. And I think the, the old lady scene that we're talking about really illustrates that idea because if, uh, the whole scenario came up because his wife introduced him to to her friend and her friend's the one that had the problem. And I can't help but uh, like picturing like Kay coming up to Michael and saying like, Oh, Hey, my, my friend here has a problem. He would have said, what, what are you doing in my business? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, well, what does this have to do with me? Like, uh, I don't right. care about that. <laughs> yeah. Like what does that have to do with me? Also stay away from my thing. Stay away from this, my, my, my business. Like, but Beto is more than willing to, Use his power to leverage this this family friend. He that's why this is a family. The family extends beyond just immediate family too, and starts spreading to to like favors for everybody that comes up and asks. Like the very beginning scene of The Godfather, right? And he, yeah. he says, "Someday I'm going to come to you with a request," and he does. That guy is the one that gets Sonny ready for a burial, so yeah. that, that he can have an open casket. Yeah, like that, mm-hmm. that's how he'd operate. Like I'll do this for you, you do this for me. Like it can be really friendly. Yeah, we can help each other out. I shoot that yeah. guy. You bury my son. It's <laughs> great. It's a great business deal. I I also feel for Michael though because in the you know very first ten minutes of the movie, somebody's shooting into his into his bedroom where mm-hmm. his wife is sleep yeah. you know laying and like you kind of understand the fact that he has to go off and spend the rest of the movie trying to figure out who the mole is in his own family and figure out who his real enemies are. And it's like, you kind of feel for what he's trying to do, even if maybe he's not doing it correctly or he's I not. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like all his fault. Like, yeah, if, he, if they hadn't gone to Vegas, if he hadn't stepped in everyone's toes, if he hadn't shot Mo Green, if he hadn't pissed Fredo off, if he hadn't gotten in business with Hyman Roth, who his dad despised, if he hadn't been like advocating for the narcotics, like this is all Michael's fault. 
Well, and and like we see in those first 10 minutes that he has uh, sort of created these concentric circles around him that different people are allowed into. So like Fredo is like not there at all. And he's even pushed out um, Robert Duvall. Tom uh, Hagen. Tom, yeah, Tom. Like Tom, Tom isn't allowed in these meetings. And like this. And Tom was the consigliere yeah. of his dad. Like the most important, like the second most important person around. And, yeah. And literally the first time Tom was mentioned, he says this would be a huge insult if he was outside the room. And then the next scene, he kicks him out of the room. Yep. Yeah. 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 He's cause... constantly kicking everybody that should be loyal to him, like out. And they're becoming less loyal to him. Shockingly. Yeah. He's so suspicious of everyone, you know? Yeah. You want people, you want to trust people. You have to trust people. You want yeah. trustworthy people. You have to trust them. This is, and give and take that and that's kind of what like Vito does well yeah he immediately establishes and, a core group yeah and then mm-hmm. they're over at his house for dinner they're they're sharing ideas and even when they don't like his idea he's kind of like uh, you know he like he like raises his hand a little bit he's like all right well i'll just do it then <laughs> i'll do it and then i'll show you guys that i was right yeah yeah <laughs> but like yeah. whenever michael has an idea i always feel like it's like this really cold very calculated um like i've run all the all the cost i've run a cost benefit analysis and this is the best option and that is to lie to you (laughs) every time michael could tell the truth he's like what if i lied though (laughs) i feel like that would be better it would be better if i didn't tell you well so so is that like encapsulated in that interaction between all the brothers, amongst the brothers, like, do we get that sense of Michael's identity? Or oh, I, I'm sorry. Um, oh, real, yeah. Real quick, um, yeah. Dan, I'm sorry. I, I jumped in there because I, oh. I I felt very passionately about what I was going to say. But like, in terms of feeling badly for Michael, I I more pity him than anything because it seems like he jumped into something with a lot of confidence, and every time someone tried to stop him, tried to point a different way, he just like shut him down. And so when I see the when I see the 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 wheel of time kind of move forward and it squishes him, I don't I don't I have a hard time feeling anything but just pity. Is that what is that were you referring to pity or were you referring to something else? Yeah, I definitely pity him. I also I don't know for some reason I think I I, I definitely relate to him, and it's I think it's because for of sure. what you just described Jesse of like like trying to think of every scenario and say the right thing. That's going to get you, you know, the right result from the person. Like he's, he's, he's like a diplomat, right. Where he's like, he's trying to say everything correctly or like get something out of the interaction. And I, um, I don't know, I respect that. And somebody that's like so brilliant. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, that kind of, I guess I could lead that into my favorite scenes um, in the movie is I love the scene. So right after, he leaves home and he's he's basically out to discover who tried to kill him and his family. Um, he goes directly to Hyman Roth's house, who is probably like subject number one, like that might have tried to kill him. And he just walks into his house and he's like, I'm going to sit here and talk to you and try to figure out if you killed, tried to you know have me assassinated. And I love that interaction. I feel like you could probably write a book about, the dialogue that was written in that scene, like just every, every look and every word that they say is so just full of like, in, you know, like purpose and um, like double meanings, with meaning, <laughs> pregnant with meaning. 
that that thought came yeah so I, I was like yeah this this is awesome i love scenes like this in movies where you could probably watch it 10 times and still find something new like a new idea that's being uh you know slyly in, in inserted into the the conversation um and then right after that we have the conversation that he has with pentangeli where he's like saying the complete opposite of what he was just saying, where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think oh, Pentangeli's yeah. going to have me killed. And then in the next scene, he's like, yeah, Hyman Roth tried to have me killed. And you're like, wait, who does he actually think killed him? Does he know? Or mm-hmm. is he just like, is he just totally BSing these people? And I, I love those two scenes. I think they're, they're so interesting and they really, uh, they, they like got, that was the hook for me was like, mm-hmm. these two interactions are so interesting and mind blowing. And like, I, yeah, again, I feel like I could watch them 20 times and still not fully understand everything, every word that's being spoken and why they're saying it that way and, and what he's trying to get from the other person. Um, so I, yeah, I, I love those two scenes back to back in the movie. They're, yeah, they're pretty high on my, my list. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you're describing it too. Like the way you're describing it makes it, makes it seem like Michael's more of a, more of a mouse. Like you keep on seeing him as a predator, but maybe he's actually kind of trapped right now and doesn't know what else to do. And is like, like desperately searching for a way out. Uh, And the only way is to like lie to these people. And that, that almost, and that does kind of make me want to feel like more bad for him. Um, Also, I just had this thought that maybe like, you know, we, we said that everything that happens is, is his fault, but also maybe it might be his dad's for starting a whole mafia ring, because maybe when you start something that's really family oriented with the intention of growth and with money behind it, eventually people are going to get greedy. Eventually you're not just going to have family members. You're going to have a bunch of outsiders, people who don't care about you, people who just want money. And maybe I I know that's not all that Michael's left with, but it seems like his family at this point just cares about his money. That's all Connie wants. Kind of seems like maybe that's all Frito wants too. And there's no real loyalty left. There's just people working for money for him. So he doesn't really have the sort of family that, that Frito had. And he's picking up all the pieces right here. And in that sense, I think I feel bad for him. Yeah. I I think that yeah I mean I, th- I think these are like the um, the spoils of of uh, evil spoils of um, yeah murder it's like the wheel chaos. of uh, of like how a wheel of fortune wheel of fortune yeah, yeah. exactly like <laughs> that you know every great society rises up from you know from ashes and then become something great and then every time something becomes great it be- starts to become corrupt and you know becomes corrupt by its own luxuries and and then slowly dies i almost feel like michael's just he happened to become the godfather at the peak and he's destined to, he's to watch it all, it all the crumble. way down <laughs> yeah and that's why i feel more bad for him than just than just pity is i feel mm. like there's it's almost inevitable that money's going to corrupt all of these people and all the relationships around him are crumbling, not just because he's like more of a businessman versus a, versus a godfather, you know, uh, versus a father figure. I I don't know. I, so I, I feel more like he's a subject of the circumstances. 
Maybe, you know, it's probably both, but I definitely feel like I, I think more. I think he made I think he made a lot of, of really bad calls. I think a bad call that Vito made that could have maybe done some better is if he had actually sought vengeance for Sonny's death. I think that that cons that moment which he did not want to be seen as weak he wanted it to be seen as a moment of strength like he is the godfather he is forgiving and uh i I feel like maybe if he hadn't played it that way if there had been an actual war then some of these seedier elements that are on the outside might not have prayed so hard so i can definitely Mm -hmm. see that uh, vito was old he was he was recovering from being shot like (laughs) um this was rough for him but i i think he was starting to slip at the end and then I, I think that Michael just was just, just crazy and experienced. Um, well, he starts off his reign by killing all of his rivals, all yeah. the people who who could have the baptism done, massacre. Yeah, so, um, great scene. Total loss of yeah innocence. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, um, and I guess like starting that way, like you start in a very untrusting position. Like he even kills his brother-in-law. Yep. Um, but I think that like what we've got. Like where we're starting out, like he is trying to bring the family uh, legitimized to, to make them legitimate. That's true. Right? That that's a big push, and that's this. why he is in business with Hyman Roth, like going yeah. to Cuba. Um, I did not realize anything about the whole Cuba thing until like like this year. Like I had no idea. <laughs> I had no memory that Cuba was involved or that he was trying to go from being like a, a crime boss to being like a hotel boss. Like that was. That was We're exploring emerging territories. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really realize like, oh, he's trying to like only do that. Um, but uh, but that's why he's in business with this guy. And part of what he's doing, like part of the reason why he's he's keeping um, like Tom away is because Tom is like he wants to to have Tom be the legitimate side of the business and keep yeah. him keep him safe. Keep your hands clean. Keep his hands clean. But he's making these decisions uh, sort of without anyone else's consent or like uh, without their um, like uh, like without talking to them about it. Yeah. Uh, Without their input of any kind. Yeah. Without their input. And so to them, it's like this guy's kind of a a loose cannon. He doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't trust me. If he doesn't trust me, should I trust him? Mm -hmm. Um, And we see like like here we're like seven years later from the end of Godfather and like we we see that like the family has has grown disparate. They're not even living in New York anymore. They're not even living in Vegas. Like yeah, they're they're on Lake Tahoe. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, like the old family, like he's lost his relationship with the friends of his father and stuff like that. Just thinking about that, man. Like how weird would it be? If like your son or something was like like came and killed me, like that would be weird. It would make things right? really awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really awkward. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, not the, between us. I mean, you'd be dead, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the one thing that struck me this time watching it was uh, Fredo, he kind of comes off as this like clownish, just greedy kind of a pig. And, and yet there's two scenes where it shows. So the, the scene where uh, Michael and he are like sitting down, I think they're at a cafe or something. And Fredo's like, why didn't we have more times like this? Like, why couldn't we just hang out more? And it's a really like genuine feeling he has of like, why couldn't we just be brothers more? And then, and then the scene, the final scene where it shows all the brothers together, Fredo's actually the one that stands up to, and he's like, yeah, Michael, like you should do this. 
like good for you. I think he even like shakes his hand. Like, this is great that you're like enlisting in the Marines. Like he's the one that supports him in that decision. I almost think that Fredo could have been a great, you know, right-hand man of, of, of uh, Michael. It's, it's kind of a weird thing that like Fredo comes off. So in so many scenes as terrible, but then in a couple scenes, you're like, he could have been, if Michael had just been more open to, you know, having support and having, you know, people um, like trusting people in his family. I think Fredo would have been, I think he would have been a really loyal right hand, but I don't think he would have been a good one. He can't control his own wife, right? I have no, she's crazy. (laughs) I can't do it. He's really stupid. I think, (laughs) I think he's really dumb. So I, I just, I don't think this whole, this whole lifestyle, like he, for as like cold and calculating as Michael is, like Fredo has like none of that. Uh, I'm not this guy. Yeah. Fredo is a guy who seems to live by his gut and kind of just you know he always wants a drink and it seems like he always wants the women. Like he's too controlled by by external things around him rather than controlling a situation like Michael can. Um, and I I think that's what you you kind of need that like Tom can also do that legally speaking like he's very good to the law which is why he's our lawyer he's our counsel um so but yeah he, i think you're right in saying like he could have been like the most loyal person to michael though i think from the get-go like there he would have shown that brotherly love and michael just doesn't care about it yeah i think can that we, mm-hmm. oh, i was just gonna mention can we just mention here real quick like how unearthly good john cazale is as fredo oh my like gosh. oh yeah incredible it's like it's like his name is just fredo like i don't think it's, <laughs> it's like they got yeah. fredo to play fredo isn't that amazing yeah. and then they killed him on screen he's actually dead uh i i love this this yeah. might be my favorite performance in the movie is is john cazale here this is this is transformative yeah. and he's like he's like growing he's building all the stuff from the last movie yeah. he's he's so He's so kind of loathsome and shitty and cowardly. But there's so much like depth to the character yeah. that gets added just by that scene at the cafe. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That or like I was the older brother. Yeah. You know how no. humiliating it is for me to answer to you, Michael? Mikey, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but I was talking about like how he couldn't control his wife, the quote unquote there is like his his wife is like crazy and is is drunk and embarrassing herself at the party and he can't he can't do anything about it. Yeah. She won't listen to him at all. And he's like, you know, you either got to do it. Like that guy comes over. He's like, you know, you either got to take her out or I, I have to. And he said, I guess you better. Yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah. he just picks her up yeah. and takes her out. Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy, though. He plays it. He plays it with like, he's so terrible, but I feel so bad for him. Like, he's the one I feel bad for. Yeah. Like, poor, stupid Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to jump in and say that because that that's something that I, I love so much about it. And and for my favorite scene, I I couldn't really. I think like favorite shot would be the final one, Michael sitting alone. Right? It's just it's so haunting. But my favorite scenes are are any moment where where Fredo is is on. Um, I really like the one where where he's in he's in his bed and the, the phone rings and he's picking it up and he's trying to talk to the guy on the other line. It's mm-hmm. like trying to deny some stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I just love how wormy and human he is all at the same time. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you don't just go like full two dimensional. Like I like I, I I'm scared and I'm cowardly. And he's like, no, I'm I'm a scared cowardly human being with a heart. It's yeah, that that was my favorite. I, I love Fredo. 
And every time I watch it, my heart bleeds. Um, yeah. You're breaking my heart, Fredo. <laughs> uh, exactly. My heart. Uh, uh, well, also, yeah. can I just say the, the scene right before you broke my heart, Fredo, when they're at like the, the porn performance or whatever, I don't know, yeah. in that in that basement. Mm. And then, like, Michael's standing right behind him, and he's just like, oh, yeah, Johnny, what's his face? I can't remember. Is it Johnny Cazale? Johnny Ola. Johnny, Johnny Ola. Ola. Yeah. Johnny Ola took me down here. It's just like, dude, you just denied that you yeah. ever met the guy. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, two seconds ago. Yeah. I, know. I mean, like, clearly he's intoxicated and, like, you know... I mean, like you said, like, he can't control himself. He doesn't... He's unable to... He's not trustworthy, um, there's an example of someone who you shouldn't trust, but I mean, it's also so easy to like keep someone's loyalty, you know, like, I feel like it would be easy to keep his loyalty, like just go out with him every once in a while, like yeah. give him something. It's just the, I think it's just the sheer number of people in Michael's life. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. by, by trying to legitimize this, like trying to yeah. move this shadow organization and like turn it into and give it like a tax ID. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be so difficult. What do we do? You can't just say like import export anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I gotta say, I think my favorite scene is the one um, with Tom Hagen. Uh, oh, after, so good! I, I, I am. I, I find the scene just like endlessly. There's a lot in this movie that I find endlessly fascinating. But the scene with Tom Hagen after the shooting, um, like after the uh, in the bedroom, um, and he's talking to Tom, and he says to Tom, like, "You are the only person I can trust. Mm-hmm. This is why I've kept you away from." from some of these deals because if you were a part of them, I wouldn't be able to trust you at all. Um, but you know nothing about them. And so I can trust you. And he essentially says like to Tom, like you're my real brother. Like you're my only actual yeah. brother. Um, I, I don't know. I I'm fascinated by the scene. I, I don't know if it's, and we're assuming that Michael is telling the truth. Well, I guess my question is, is he, like, is he telling the truth in this? And does Tom believe him? <laughs> yeah, those are those are two those are two separate questions. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think there this was true. Maybe it felt true. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's any signs later on in the movie that he wasn't being honest. I mean, he trusted that Tom was going to protect his family. There's there's a couple scenes yeah. of like his wife trying to go out shopping, and Tom's like, "No, you you have to stay here." Like Tom. Seems like he does exactly everything that Michael asked him to, and he was loyal. And I don't yeah, know. But I, that's that's like a good employee. That's not a brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what he's. That's what legitimizing this business is good. Is, that's what it's going to make it do. That's what he has to do now. He can't. He can't just have everybody in the know about some things. He can't have people know about the illegal things because this is a business. And especially family, like you can't implicate family in things that are illegal when you're trying to be legal, which means that'll wrap you into or get you involved with, uh, with, I guess, some some Senate hearings they were a part of and Tom Hagen was defending them with. So, like, obviously he can't know about all the illegal stuff. So I I believe him. I, I, I believe what Michael's saying to Tom. I'm not sure if Tom believes him. And it obviously does yeah. not buy Tom's loyalty. Yeah. But that's also like, it, it, re- it always struck me near the end. His final interaction is, is him coming in just saying um, like, you didn't tell me about the, um, the opportunity to be vice president of that hotel chain or whatever. 
Um, and it's really funny, like in the Godfather, right? It's always about like going between families. It's always about families drama. But now it's like, oh, you you got yeah. this job offer from this big business, uh, and you're going to leave our big business uh-huh. now. Um, so I, so I guess to answer your question, I I fully believe it. I just think the the dynamics of everything is just so different. Yeah, um, and it previously was. I, I think was what I, I think that you're like what, what's so compelling about that scene is like it's filmed very similarly to many scenes in The Godfather, like the first one, like the interactions they have. It's like the low light. It's it's this intimate setting. Like you don't have like big windows, like all over that house. There's big windows showing like the Tahoe scenery. You don't have that in New York. And like here, we're in like a very close corner of the house, and they're whispering. It's low light. It feels like the first movie. But like, what's amazing is that like, these are two like men who at one point were very close to some degree or another, although I'm sure they had their differences and and whatnot. But like, you can see that they both have walls up because of the business relationship, but also because of the personal relationship as well. So I I don't know. I feel like, Mm -hmm. like you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like there is truth in what he's, what Michael's saying, like you are the one I believe is my brother. And Tom believes him when he says it, but because of like the, the hurt, like both business wise and personally um, by not being intimately involved in all aspects of the business, like, and, and life, because it's the same thing for them. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think that's why it's, it's, you know, you know what's so funny is like so many incredible. of these, so much of this movie would have been undone if they had gone to like two or three, you know, therapy sessions. You know, <laughs> just not even that many. There's like two or three. Yeah. Like when 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 Fredo gets killed at the end, it's it's like uh, it's the embodiment of like men will literally do anything <laughs> to avoid <laughs> therapy. I will kill my brother so I don't have to talk about why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. <laughs> That's why we have the Sopranos, right? Where yeah, half that's, the movie right. Is. that's right. That's <laughs> right. That's the answer. I'm in therapy. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, oh, you, you were. Um, I think this touches a little bit on something you were talking about earlier, Mike. You were, you were going to ask a question about brothers. Is this? Have we? Remember that? Oh, uh, since we're talking about brothers now, I was just bringing it back to see if you wanted to to finish that. Yeah, well, maybe to connect. I, I feel like Jesse, you've been sort of pointing us towards like. Um, the weird change in like, so like there's this intimate family dynamic of brothers, like building a business together sort of thing. But mm-hmm. now the business has gotten big. And so instead of like talking about like, Oh, you're going to go work for like, like that family who runs like the, you know, like here we are, we're like the, we're the HVAC business of the town. And like, now you're going to go work for like the, the light installation business. And like, we're, we're, we're friends or whatever. We've got like a good, a good relationship. Now it's like, Oh, you're going to go like become a VP of, of, you know, lights incorporated. Like what a bullshit <laughs> move. Like yeah. why would like, like this is, this is a, you know, a break of loyalty. It's fascinating. Like that's so weird. It's so weird to go through that. It's like every, every business story in America or something. Yeah. Yeah. This is just, yeah the story of business in America and how it involves family and the, maybe the crossover from the old world, the old way of doing things, family relations, friends, backdoor deals, but in a nice way to the new cold, hard face of impersonal, implacable business. There's a lot, there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this movie. Um, okay. I want to ask this question here, maybe just to, just to solidify it. Okay. 
Um, because I think we've kind of answered it, but who who is the better mafia father, godfather here? Is it Michael or Vito? It's Vito. Yeah. Yeah. As a godfather, Michael's pretty shite. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Does he even have many godchildren? He's got like one. He just keeps killing people. I don't know. Yeah. He never does favors for anybody. No. no. Like, like Pentaglia comes to him in the beginning, just like mirroring the first Godfather. And it's like, can you help me with this? Like these, these brothers, they're being assholes. Like, uh, can you, can you fix this? It's, it's unpleasant for me. And Michael's like, no, deal with them. Figure, be like, they're technically over you actually, because my best buddy Hyman Roth is the one supporting them. Yeah. So until mm-hmm. my deal with Roth goes through, you need to do what they say, which is, which is terrible. Cause then as, as an employee, I'd be like, oh, so my life is just going to continue to suck. Because you won't do anything about it because of your precious deal. When I'm sure Michael could just go to Hyman Roth and be like, hey, could you tell your guys to back off? And then that would happen. And then Pentagli would be fine. But no, it's because of all this shit that Michael is not good at that the movie is a movie. <laughs> if Michael is just, if, if The Godfather Part 2 is just like, and Michael was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think it's unequivocally Vito because Vito is actually a Godfather. Yeah. 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 And also, like, even look at the like the opening scenes where those requests take place. Like the one is, you know, his daughter's wedding and it's literally just family around. And Mm -hmm. well, I guess it's not just family, but also like some people, it seems like that are kind of more local, like his friends, close um, friends. Yeah. And then this is Michael's kids. First communion party. Yeah. (laughs) There's a giant band playing. It's a senators are coming and giving speeches it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're trying to very loosely. It's like a really stupid, pale imitation of what his dad did. Like, no, no, no. Like, your daughter's wedding where you have to send out the invites and you make this giant event versus, like, your kid's first communion at church and then not even make it, like, a church thing and have, like, choir singing. It's just strange. Yeah, the, the inclusion of the Pretty senator was always really funny. Yeah, because I, I, I know that the movie's adding sort of this layer of, of politics, and like that's how connected Michael is now. Like he's rising so far up above, just you know, in the city. Now we're actually dealing with government officials, kind of like what we're doing with with Las Vegas. Yeah, um, we're showing the corruption is going is going higher and deeper, right? Uh, but it's it's weird. You know, you got to come to my kids' first communion and say something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a strange yeah. request. You're right. It is. It is yeah. a pale imitation. Yeah. Well, yeah, remember definitely... his, his son is like, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, his son is like, um, it's like, I got lots of presents. I don't know who any of them are from. <laughs> I don't know a single person who came to my party. Not yeah. one yeah. of them. Why couldn't Jimmy come? Jimmy's dad is not important. <laughs> I had to kill Jimmy's dad. Yeah, Jimmy's dad. Is dead. I don't want to look at that little shit in the face. His ROI was too low. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do feel like there's a number of scenes, that one in particular, where he's talking to the politician, the senator, and the senator is like giving his demands. And then Michael's like, no, like I'm not giving you anything. And you're going to give me everything because that's just how things work. He's like, it's almost like he's taking the old mentality of like doing favors for nothing and expecting favors back later on. He's trying to like force that into this modern world where like in the corporate world, everything's about compromise and like everything's about money, compromise, intrigue. And like, it's a mu- yeah. almost like a much more corrupt world 
that's what the weird thing about it is like, it's almost showing that the business world is more corrupt than the actual mafia where, you know, people take care of each other. People have each other's backs and it's really, it's such an interesting uh, contrast between like the old way, you know, Vito rising in the, the flashbacks and then Michael struggling to hold on to anything in this, in this new corporate world where he's like trying to be a godfather in this, this world of business and corruption. I, yeah, but I also think it's it's highlighting the the mafia's new role in this business, which is leverage, because like the favor thing, the the family idea is really, I guess that really is gone. Um, but he, the senator, does end up doing all that because they kill. I I, I think it's implied that they kill the prostitute he was sleeping with. Oh yeah. Very, no, they they drugged they drugged or knocked him out and then just straight up killed the prostitute. Yeah, I think it. it's I think that it's a black pretty man. clear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now the mafia is used for this kind of leverage for to to do these kinds of shady things, which they were doing before, and now they're just doing it to bigger people. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, before before it almost felt a little bit more honest. You know, they cut off the horse's head. Right, they took they took what he loved and they killed it. And they're like, "Look, look, we can get in your bed, dude. We can get into your house, into your room, and you won't even know it." And that's that seemed like more straight up than like, "All right, we're gonna knock you out. We're gonna kill the prostitute. Then we're gonna like try and like mesmerize you into like remembering that you killed her, so you feel super guilty." Like it, it that's just like one level skeevier, right? Mm-hmm. It seemed fairer super before. Up. Like you love that bang, and now it's like. Oh, you sleep with prostitutes? Hmm. What kind of snidely whiplash scheme can I come up with? Maybe it involves like a Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> and it's yeah, a it's it's a crazy plan, and it it's brilliant and works really well. But again, that's more of a cold, calculated decision, and nothing based off of favors and and like, oh, you didn't give me a favor. Okay, your horse is gonna be dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe people have less. Maybe the senator didn't have any horses. That was the problem. Yeah, it was the problem. No yeah. horses, just prostitutes. Yeah. I'm glad he didn't. Different kind of stable. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Mike, you look very proud of yourself. <laughs> this cat ate a canary. Uh, well, um, all right. So uh, I, I, I'm going to pause. Um, I kind of feel like we've done them all. Like we've talked concisely and deeply about a large variety of topics. I don't think there's one aspect of this movie we have not discussed. And this, we've only been recording for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Does this feel weird to anyone else? It's, it's oddly efficient, but it feels right to me. Like, I don't feel like we've ignored anything. I don't think we should draw out the Godfather part two too much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with wrapping it up. If you guys want to. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's weird, yeah. But. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's about all we have, except for our final question. Oh, yeah. What's the our biggest final question? question? It's the biggest question and uh, probably our easiest. Uh, is this a dad movie and why? I'll, let's see. I will start with Dan. Is this no. a dad movie and why? No way. There's no <laughs> way. 
There's so many other good dad movies out there. Morbius. Uh, Mor- I mean, <laughs> Morbius. Come on. That's I mean, Morbius time. The most obvious. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, this is. I mean, this is. This is up there in the most dad movies. I'm very excited to show this as a dad. This is. Um, yeah, like the this trilogy is probably up there with like. I mean, it's higher then, but definitely close to like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars for me. I was just yeah. like, I cannot wait to show this to my to my kids and and to just blow their minds with it. And like we were saying, to build it up, like that's that's going to be the, probably the most satisfying thing as a dad is like to build up the weekend that we're going to watch the first Godfather and then follow it up with the second one and um, and then never watch the third one. But <laughs> no, at some point I'll watch it and probably love it too. But um, yeah, what about you guys? Yeah, for all the reasons that we we mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and also, you said something uh, earlier that I thought I actually wanted to jump on to is uh, when you talk about it feeling very personal. Um, it does feel really personal for me too. Like I feel a lot like Michael a lot of times, um, both professionally and and in my own personal life. Is like I, I feel like I'm. Uh, I'm having to reinvent the wheel because the world is so much different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I am having to live a different adulthood than my parents did. And yeah. I'm having to figure things out in real time that will affect my life for a long time. And I have to do it pretty quickly. I have to figure this out. And every day that goes by, there's another thing I have to figure out in terms of setting up the future. Again, both speaking both professionally and personally. And it's a lot of it's a lot of like daydreaming 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future, trying to figure out where I'm going to be and what it's going to look like. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of that planning. So I, I feel I, in this way, Dan, I do feel for, for Michael's cause I feel, I feel that pressure that he feels, but he feels that I'm just like, you know, he's actually talking about murder. I'm just talking about, you know, making sure my 401k is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say how much Bitcoin you should buy. But now, mm. now might be a buy good the time. Dip. Buy the dip. <laughs> this, is, this is a pretty good dip. That wasn't a uh, an endorsement of any sort. <laughs> no Don't listen to my No one's going to come after you. <laughs> I just want to make sure. People are coming after everybody. I am not endorsing <laughs> if, there, if there was enough people listening to this podcast to come after us, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Up for that. In all your emails, just make sure you at Mike and Jesse. They are the crypto bros on this pod. <laughs> That's not true. Oh, and you know, throw, and throw in Dan. I am not. Dan and I'm Jesse. not a crypto bro. So, um. But anyway, so that's mine. Yes, it's a dad movie, and for all the reasons we said, and 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 the, the, my personal connection with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? You know, um, I think this might come as a surprise to some people. Hmm. But it's absolutely a dad movie. Mm, There's no question at all. You know, I'm just thinking, I was thinking about since you said like, you know, I don't think there's anything else to talk about. I was like, yeah, yeah. There was one thing we didn't talk about and that's Diane Keaton and uh, Michael's relationship with his wife. Um, And uh, what would you like to say about that? I I mean, I guess I don't really have a lot to say about it. I feel like the reason I didn't, I didn't mention is we we talked about Michael being isolated and alone. There are, there's the key scene with Kay at the very end where yeah. he's like, the baby was a miscarriage. It was an abortion, Michael. Yeah. Um, just like our marriage is an abortion. Exactly. Yeah. And then she's like, all right, here's here's where I pull the subtext out to make it text. Yeah. And they make her do it. Yeah. So no one else has to do it because she hasn't really been in the movie. 
Like she, yeah. she shows up for like 20 seconds to try and pull the car out and then can't. Right. Um, and they sideline her until she can deliver the killing blow to Michael. Right. And then he can do the same thing that he did at the end of the Godfather, which is shut the door right. on Kay. Um, yeah. I love right. that parallel between the end of the first and the end of the second, where it's like right. the first one, he's, they're shutting her out from, from the inner circle of the mafia. And then the second movie, he's shutting her out from his life, from his personal life. Right. It's really powerful. I, I think the reason I didn't I didn't say anything is I, I thought that was implied, but you're right. It is better yeah. to say it. Yeah, I think I think it is implied. I think that her role like makes like you said, makes a subtext text. Um I mean like, you know, here's Michael, he gets he's from this Italian family and he finds the least Italian person he can find, the most like white Anglo Saxon Protestant person he can find to marry. Uh he is fully like you know, uh, bought into the American dream or whatever he yep. views that as. And I think that the application of that American dream to the mafia, at least, um, is part of the downfall. And probably the introduction to talking about political intrigue and, yeah. and scandal and corruption in America, that kind of festering at the heart of the American dream. Like I could see definitely yeah. like a, like a good, 15 to 2500 word essay yeah. on that yeah agreed and i actually could it's actually it'd be kind of cool to write that it would be cool that. <laughs> hey you should do it um but like that's you know wrapping that into like this being a dad movie i guess this movie it, it's a it's a incredible story it's a profound story about like americans and about america but there's also this meditative aspect to it um it's a very meditative movie about the nature of America um, and the nature of being an American uh, that I think is at the heart of it. That's, that's just an incredible, incredibly important question to ask ourselves and think about that. I, I think helps to elevate it, but the fact that it doesn't focus solely on that um, makes it the, you know, 5 million star movie that it is like one of the best <laughs> movies ever made because it's, it's just a portion of it. What it is about is about being human. Um, and that's, you know, that's, it's a, it's a dad movie all the way, um, because of that. Cause it's about being like a dad. I, I do, I do want to thank a, you a again for, for bringing up Diane Keaton. You're right. We should have, we should have talked about that more at length. And I don't mean in my words to downplay the huge role she has to take on because she essentially has to do all the work in three minutes yeah. at the end of a three and a half hour movie. And, and she does a fantastic and she job. Does a fantastic mm-hmm. job. I mean, she does a great job in the beginning and at the end. Um, she's not there for the middle. Not really, no. Yeah. Which is a, a, probably why I, I, for, I forgot. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That scene is brutal, man. That scene just like, wow. Completely destroyed me. Um, <sighs> Jesse. Sucker punch. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, that I just totally hijacked the middle of, of that. Um, well, you got it in, and it needed to get movie. in. It needed yeah. to get in. You know, you hijacked it just like Diane Keaton hijacked the last three minutes of of the movie. So you know, it's it's fitting. <laughs> it's fitting. Uh, it's fitting. Uh, but yeah, this this is totally a dad movie. I mean, it's about like generational differences, father son relationships that are like ghost of a father son relationship, really that still haunts this character. Uh, family dynamics after after parents are gone, uh, immigrants, uh, business, family, all wrapped into, oh, and also 
you know, running a crime organization hmm. wrapped into all things we're, we're familiar with. Oh, all, <laughs> things, all things I love to watch and talk about. Yes. Um, and that are all classically dad things or things that, that dads secretly love to sit down and watch movies about uh, pretty universally from yeah. all generations. Yeah. Uh, dads, this is, you know, dads love dads, the arbiters of law and order. They love crime. Crime <laughs> <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> crime. But it's like law and order in there because that's an exploration of law and order. With like slightly different premises. It's like anarchist law and order, you know? Yeah. It's like the like every dad knows. The system is pretty messed up. The system is like broken. we've dealt with it for like 30, 30 odd years, right? And we know like there's problems with it. However, if I were to set up a system of my own, it would work really well. Yeah. So that's why <laughs> mafia movies are the best. It's someone who's yeah. gone with that and set up their own system. It's remarkably similar to to Batman. We should start <laughs> we should start a mafia, guys. <laughs> A Batman mafia. Yes, we'll all dress up like Batman. Great. And do crime. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, so it's hands down a dad movie for our Father's Day special. Yes. High in the Hall of Fame, top of the pyramid. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Well, from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, Happy Father's Day, dads, and Happy Father's Day to each of you. Thank you for, for another wonderful year of doing this. I think I thanked you guys on Mother's Day. And every time we do a recurring episode, I'll just thank you for the year. So you'll be getting like seven or eight thank yous a year, You're which really I feel well. like is enough to encourage loyalty. You're really welcome. <laughs> Good. I'm not going fishing anytime soon. I can tell you that. Well, I'll just sit behind you. <laughs> well, um, yeah. For all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Good night. <laughs>